Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show is made possible by our patrons. If you want to monetarily support the show, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't support us financially, then you can support us algorithmically by liking, rating, and sharing. Thanks. Enjoy the show. <laughs> I think that's going to be the opening line. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I got a prairie dog poking its Oh, fuck out. off. You're going to you're going to taint this incredibly serious script that I've written. The beginning of it before we actually go into it. Yeah, I'm going to taint the fuck out of whatever we can. That's once fair. Once we get I into guess. the once story. Once we get into it, it's over. Yeah. You understand? This is, the, this is the very frustrating episode. So Welcome everybody to Two Towns Over. Do you want to talk about Assassin's Creed? <laughs> <laughs> I hear they've got a manga of Assassin's Creed. Let's go into that it, for a while. What? No, I'm kidding. Oh. Well, is there a tabletop? Um, uh, gotta be. I believe so. I'm looking it up right yeah. now. No, actually, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not I'm no, not. I told you. They're, they're making one right now. That's right. That's yeah. right. There's one for Fallout, too. Damn. You yeah, know what? oh, for sure. I've been doing a lot of Dark Souls-like content, like uh-huh. Souls-like shit. Um, wh- what about, just hear me out. What about Assassin's Creed meets Dark Souls? That's just the modern Assassin's Creed games. Not really. Not really. Kind of? It's the exact same combat style. I think he means style-wise. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Like tonally? Yeah. Yeah. They could do it. They could. They could do it. Like, maybe you could do it as, like, a Templar. That'd be pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to Two Towns Over. I am Father Donathan. Well, you know, I'm the breadbasket. So that that's what people call uh, Bridget from. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, from Guilty Gear. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I am Rafael Solicito's number one fan. Goddamn. <laughs> and we are back with the second part of the Amanda Knox story. If you needed to know where Josh fell on the spectrum of Amanda Knox's guilt. Uh, all you got to do is listen to the title of this episode. Another title. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Double, double and it's not like Amanda Knox to Electric Boogaloo, which he likes to do. Normally. That's yeah. fun though. That's a good. It, that's, that's if fun. I'm lazy. That's yeah. Class, that's no, classic. this one is called "If you genu- if you still genuinely believe Amanda Knox is guilty, I don't respect you." Damn. Yeah. Damn. He just kind of laid it out there. It's you can. That's a. That's a. Um... I think you can really tell where my mental state was when I was writing these. He literally unzipped his pants and just threw his cock up onto the table and just said, now. Was it, was it Master P that did Story of a D-Don? Oh, God. I don't Who know. Who was that? Hold on. Because that's what that is. Let me look it up real quick. It's, it's straight up. Though. So you mentioned when we did uh, that midweek that you had started watching. Push a T. Ah, that's a push that's right. a T title right there. Uh, you mentioned that you had started watching that stupid conspiracy theory yeah, today, yeah. What the fuck and you just like couldn't even get through the intro. Right. I did the same thing with four or five different pieces of media that were trying to like say that Amanda and or Amanda and uh, Raphael were guilty and that they had successfully fooled everyone. Right. Uh huh. 
none of them are fucking watchable or listenable. They're <laughs> so bad. And they it's they so they're either ridiculously poor quality uh with you know zero actual fact checking. Like I'll hear them espouse something that was in fact directly debunked in a documentary that came out 4 years before their piece of content about it. Yeah. Like the the DNA evidence that we're going to get into pretty deeply in this episode. Uh, they'll, they'll try to use the DNA evidence in a way that it's like, no, we found out from independent studies in this that there was gross mishandling of all of this. Yeah. None of them seem to know what the fuck they're talking about at all. Not that I do either, but I also subscribe to the idea of Occam's Razor, which is the simplest explanation is often the correct one yeah and that's all over this so it's it's far 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 more absurd to say that amanda did it and i assume that anybody who still genuinely believes that just fell victim to the media about it never seen that happen Never, ever. So during a second day of questioning, Amanda fueled suspicion when she denied using marijuana. Uh, A lie told at the request of her roommate, Laura, who feared that the possible legal ramifications from such a revelation. One of her roommates, like, pulled her over, uh, Laura, and was like, listen, I know shit is really real right now. Do not tell them that we smoke weed. Mm. But she could have just said she smoked it with Raphael. I mean, he's already in trouble, too. Yeah, they fucking found weed in the house anyway. Uh, She also raised eyebrows when, after slipping on booties and gloves during return visit (laughs) to the villa with police, she thrust her arms out, quote, like a lead in a musical and sang out, ta-da. So she was, like, exhausted by this point. She had gotten, like, no sleep at all. And they were, she was staying with Raphael Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, And the police told her that uh, she needed to go back to the villa and help identify some things inside. And to go in, she had to wear gloves and uh, booties. Right. So she, like, slipped them on, and her being fucking delirious at this point, like, after she put it all on, she just kind of, like, lightly threw her arms. It was like, ta-da, like, tiredly, because the cops were all being fucking assholes to her this whole time, too, because she doesn't, again, at this point, she doesn't know that she's, like, the number one suspect. Yeah, And so she, she was like, you know, trying to, trying to lighten the mood a little bit, or she was being driven at one point and, uh, in the, in the back, she, she's being like forced around to all of this. She has no autonomy. She can't say, no, I'm going to, we'll fucking do that tomorrow. Right. She's being forced into all of it. And she's in the back seat as the cops driving her. And she's like, I'm so exhausted. Whether she said it to herself or to the cop. But the cop, like, whipped around in the seat and was like, you don't think we're tired? And just started fucking laying into her. Everybody's so mean (laughs) to to her. Yeah. So later in the evening, she went on a brief shopping expedition with Raphael. Denied access to her own underclothes, she settled on a pair of red bikini briefs. That, too, would arouse the suspicion of investigators. So she can't get into the house to get her things. She does not have any clothes. She's been wearing Raphael's sweatpants and shit. Jesus. And she she has no clean undies. She had, like, one pair of underwear with her, and that was it. So 
her and Raphael went out to get her some underwear. And like I said, this is all going to get framed as a, a fucking sex cult murder. And so when she was seen with Raphael buying underwear, what they reported was she was seen with Raphael buying sexy lingerie. Jesus Christ. It's bikini man. bottom style women's underwear that had a picture of a fucking cartoon cow on it. Well, have you never seen a cow and thought, hmm, my God. Moo, indeed. Yeah, moo. Mm. Don't. We have to. I don't think we do. Well, <laughs> it's it's so egregious to me. Yeah, it, it really is. is. It's Oh, it's awful. I know. It's fucking And I know, terrible. I know. But it's just so fucking infuriating that she went to do one of the most innocent things that she could have possibly done because she also didn't really have any money at this point, I don't think. Um, and this whole time, too, her parents are like, you should come back mm -hmm. because fuck all that. And she's like, no, I need to help the investigation yeah. and I don't want to just run away from it like a kid back to my family. Yeah. And also, yeah. she was with Raphael. Yeah, but that would also look really, really bad if she. And that's what she was thinking too. Yeah. Was yeah, if she left, it would she would look guilty. I have an idea. Hmm. I might just teach the audience about the nine razors briefly throughout the episode. Oh yeah, yeah, because one of them is called Newton's flaming laser sword. What? Yeah, if something cannot be settled by experiment, it is not worth debating. Ah, interesting, huh? Yeah, that's a really good one. I, I like that. I think all of these will apply to this in different ways. <laughs> that's too, why so. I thought that I should yeah. maybe do that. So once investigators believe someone to be guilty, nearly any behavior out of yeah, the ordinary break up from the tension. Uh -huh. It's it's a new type of gainer. Uh, any a behavior type of gainer, <laughs> yeah. I would say for this type of episode. Anyway, speak for yourself. Any behavior Listen. out of the ordinary seems suddenly incriminatory. Day any behavior yeah any behavior minorly out of the ordinary or in the ordinary fuck it she's guilty so day four of the questioning was the worst you know as a black person i never identify harder with people of another race than when they are being unfairly treated by any police have you ever seen the thing that's uh it's a meme video where they're like, uh, the sentence that's been handed down to the woman was that she will be treated in all courtroom interactions as the court would normally treat a black man. In all courtroom illustrations, she will be drawn as a large black man in an orange jumpsuit. The jurors have been instructed. Yeah, yeah it goes I on have. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. That is the video that I know. Yeah. <laughs> and it is correct. Yeah. I mean, it's it just really is. Like, look at every trial featuring a black man. There might be some that are, like, fine. But, like, generally it involves a person with a whole lot of money. And then look at the Amanda Knox trial. Side by side. Fucking identical. Well, it's so we're also going to see there's a lot of uh, very, very major differences between... Uh, the way that America handles court cases and the way that Italy handles court cases. Yeah, usually that's very interesting to me. Yeah. But not now. In this case, you're going to find uh, more similarities than you are differences. Yeah. 
That's so weird how that happens, huh? Uh-huh. So day four of questioning was the worst. The day police succeeded in coercing Amanda to make what would eventually be recognized, and as we are all too familiar with on this show, as a false confession. Yep. It happened without a defense lawyer being present, without Amanda being informed of her right to remain silent. And when Officer Rita Thakara showed up in the waiting room to greet Amanda, she was on the floor, legs splayed, in the process of doing a split. So what happened here was Raphael had been called in for questioning. Yeah. Okay. Amanda was terrified. Her mom had said something to her on the phone like, look. Almost like doing yoga helps relieve stress a little bit. Well, I'll tell you exactly how she ended up doing yoga on the floor of the police station. Um, Her mom had said something on the phone to her about how, you know, whoever did it, they may have been watching the house. That's how they would have known that Meredith was there alone. They may have even been following you. They might know where Raphael lives. You need to be careful. Don't go anywhere alone. Keep Raphael with you. So they called in Raphael for questioning, not Amanda. And... I fully subscribe to the idea that this was done on purpose and maliciously because they knew that she didn't want to be alone at this point, that she was scared. So she went with him and came to the police station. They told her, no, you can't come inside. She was like, I don't want to be out here alone in the dark. I'm scared of the dark. Please don't make me like, I'll just, I'll sit in the waiting room. So they brought her in a chair and she had uh, her books. She was studying. Mm-hmm. And she had been there for a while. So she started doing like some stretches mm-hmm. just to keep herself awake and occupied. She was like bending down and touching her toes and just doing general stretches. And the cop in there started saying some relatively creepy shit, stuff that I would define as creepy. He was like, oh, you're really flexible. And she was like, yeah, I used to do yoga. And the cop was like, what else can you do? And she started showing him some yoga poses, mm-hmm. being uh, perhaps naive. Yeah, maybe a little. And right as she drops into a fucking full split is when the like lead interrogator comes out. Jesus Christ. And uh, This is like the tragedy of errors. <laughs> yes. Like, dude. it's so crazy. Fucking wild. And so the lead interrogator comes just... out and was like, what the fuck are you doing? And the cop was like, oh, I was I it was just asking her some questions. And she goes, oh, well, if you're asking questions, it needs to be on record. Come with me. And takes her into an interrogation room. The cop or Amanda? Uh, Amanda. Okay. The lead, the, like, lead uh, interrogator comes out and is like oh well if you're asking her questions then we need to have it on record come on amanda we're going to an interrogation room mm-hmm. and drags her in unexpectedly she thought she was just going to wait while Raphael was questioned wow yeah so yeah so her doing yoga would strike investigators. i mean that's that... a pretty common tactic though mm-hmm. yeah so that too would strike investigators as evidence of guilt now the interview probed deeply into amanda's movements on the night of november 1st her male acquaintances in Perugia, her interaction with Kircher. They asked about exact times, about details she couldn't remember. Eventually, according to her own account, I started forgetting everything. My mind was spinning. I felt as if I was going totally blank. So she's got multiple people in the room. Uh, Sometimes I heard three people were interrogating her at the same time. Sometimes I heard five people were interrogating her at the same time. 
in Italian yeah. with, like, somebody translating. And they're all, like, screaming over each other, just at her. And she starts to get distressed. And she's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And one of them hears, fuck. And goes, fuck, I understand, fuck, fuck you! And gets all up in her face, and then uh, the I believe the lead interrogator like smacked her in the back of the head hard. And she's like, "Why? Why are you hitting me?" And she's like, "I'm telling you to remember." And like smacked her in the back of the head again, and was like, "Remember." And they're pointing at. I'm probably stepping all over what's written in the script right now. <laughs> they're pointing at this message that she had sent. Remember, I said that the text message to Patrick Lumumba and the literal uh, translation of the phrase was very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wrote the direct Italian translation of "Okay, see you later." In Italian, what that constitutes is a solid plan to meet later. Ah. So when she said, uh, essentially the American phrase, okay, see you later, meaning I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. What they're reading in that text is, okay, I'll see you soon for that plan that we made to meet up. And they're like, so where did you meet him? What You, sa- you said right here that you were going to meet him. You remember Typical bullshit police interrogation tactics. Yep. So they insisted that she must have met Patrick Lumumba, uh, her boss, later that night based on her 8.30 p.m. text that said, see you later. This might be a good time to point out that that Newton's flaming laser sword that I was talking about, Uh it was really about not wasting time arguing things that cannot be experimented such like, um, so it's like, how many teeth does my dog have? Fucking count them. Count them. Uh, it uses the um, example of the cannon unstoppable force. What happens when an unstoppable uh-huh. force meets an immovable object? We, we don't know. Don't debate it. Well, it was Don't waste like, time debating it. We need to test it. Right. You know, we have to test it or else we need to perform an experiment because there's no way that reason alone can solve this problem. Kind of okay. like the can God create a rock that's too big for God to lift. Almost yeah. exactly that. Yeah, it's like ask God to lift the rock then. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, So Americans would not understand that uh, see you later is a literal plan, like Josh said, but the Italian meaning of the word is literal. They had agreed to meet later that night. When Amanda continued to assert that she never left Raphael's sometime... She never left Raphael. Sometime after 8.30, the investigators called her a liar. And uh, imagine, like, Patrick probably got that text and was like, fucking, we don't have plans to meet later. It's probably just a poor translation and put his phone down. Yeah, he was probably like, oh, that's cute. She's still learning. Yeah, exactly. So they falsely claimed that Raphael had confessed that they had left his apartment. They told her, you're going to go to prison for 30 years if you don't help us. At one point... Uh, Rita Fakara slapped Amanda on the back of the head, then hit her a second time above the ear. Fakara, not surprisingly, denied this. Yeah. To get her attention, Fakara, uh, she said she did it to get her attention. The investigation took its toll, in Amanda's words, I snapped. When the investigators insisted, you know who killed Meredith, she said, Patrick, it's Patrick. Asked whether Patrick had sex with Meredith before he slashed her, Amanda said, I guess so, I'm confused. And that that was a lot of this, was she kept saying, I don't know, 
I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. She kept saying, I don't know. And they kept saying, you can't not know you were there. Yeah. Uh, To the point where uh, she says in the documentary, and it's fucking heartbreaking to see her talk about it. um, She was like, I broke. They broke me. And she, you know, especially after being hit in the head. Yeah. And and then, like, basically trying to implant false memory. They're trying to fucking incept her at this point. And she finally, after all the hours of interrogation, and they keep pointing at this text message from Patrick, so she thinks that they want her to say Patrick. So she says Patrick. So at 1.45 a.m., Amanda signed, quote, a confession, placing her at the murder scene and naming Patrick Lumumba as Meredith's killer. A confession which they wrote in Italian and had her sign. So the signing done, her investigators whooped and high-fived. A second spontaneous... Fuck you! Yep. Absolutely go fuck yourself. Anyway, Occam's Razor. Entities (laughs) should not be multiplied without necessity. We all kind of know what that means, but it's a problem-solving principle. Uh, that states, I'm very fucking frustrated with this shit. <laughs> um, and so, uh, again, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but the same thing is happening to Raphael in, like, the next room. Right. Raphael can hear them screaming at Amanda. And then they're saying shit to Raphael, like, you're, you're going you're gonna to lie for this cow? Why have you been lying? At calling her names, calling her a whore, and... Again, they do the same thing to him. Uh, I couldn't find confirmation that they hit him, but I'm just going to say they probably fucking hit him, allegedly, whatever the fuck. And they did the exact same thing to him where they wrote him uh, a confession, had him sign it. Trash. Yep. Part of what they wrote in the confession was everything I've said up until now was a lie. This is what really happened. So Wow. Yeah. So a second spontaneous declaration signed by Amanda a few hours later included the sentence, I do not remember if Meredith screamed or if I heard any thuds because I was in shock, but I could imagine what was going on. In the afternoon of the same day, Amanda would try to tell a different story to say that what she signed, that what the signed statement said did not reflect her actual memories, but it was too late. Amanda had already been arrested. I believe with that one, um, she had written like this long thing that had like bullet points Mm -hmm. that was like, I don't fully understand what I signed. I know that certain parts of it were absolutely not true because she finally had time to calm down a little bit after everyone was out of the room and like the reality of what just happened set in. And uh, in her uh, poor Italian, uh, when one of the, investigators came back in she handed him this piece of paper where she had written everything down and uh what she said to him was i have a present for you in italian yeah trying to say i i wrote this for you basically um and he was like what is it my fucking birthday and took it and they just completely disregarded it 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 didn't fucking matter they already had a signed confession wow So authorities charged Amanda, Raphael, and Patrick Lumumba with the murder of Kircher. Amanda didn't know she was charged with murder until her arraignment, three days after entering prison. 
Wow. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll go ahead and place this in here. Uh, so in America, you can be held for, you know, 72 hours without being charged. In Italy, they have uh, effectively they can put you in uh, custody for up to a year. What the fuck? Waiting for trial. Yeah. I mean, waiting for trial is different than being charged. Well, no, so it's... I remember the explanation, but it was kind of jumbled. And also, I felt way worse last night than I even do right now, so I can't remember the exact explanation. But basically, yeah, they can hold her for up to a year without uh, officially charging her. Yeah. Um, And... She is also effectively held in solitary confinement for this time. She's not allowed to read anything. She can't see any of the coverage. She has no idea how big this has gotten while she's been... She has no fucking clue. She does not know that this has become an international story overnight that she is at the center of. Yeah. Until she finally gets a visit from her mom. You can hear there's a recording of it where her mom told her she's like, we have all been accosted by uh, reporters. And Amanda's like, what? And she's like, oh, yeah, it is. It's an international story. And Amanda's like shocked. Yeah, because she's not being allowed to see any of the information about it that's become public. Jesus. So this might be a great time to... You're going to run out of razors. I, I won't. I promise. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know what? I actually do keep going. I do, I do want to say So this. Perugia's chief of police told reporters the motive is sexual. Very much so. The media was all over the story, digging up social media images to fuel the story. Whoa. Pictures of a grinning Amanda holding a machine gun taken at a World War II museum in Germany. Raphael posing as a mad doctor dressed in white with a meat cleaver, and Meredith in her Halloween vampire costume. The police investigation would continue for a year, <coughs> but the crux of the case against Knox and Solicito was based on the four days of questioning after the murder. There was other, quote, evidence, but it would mostly turn out to be either fabrication or the result of shoddy police and lab work. A lab in Rome, for example, reported it found traces of both Amanda's and Meredith's DNA found on a knife found or on a knife found in Raphael's apartment. The bra clasp near uh, found near Meredith's body was said to have Raphael's DNA on it. Damning if true, but actually the result of contamination. Right. So this contamination gets found out way later. It's so they were storing all of these like together and examining them together at the same time. So you had stuff like a really clear imprint of uh, Amanda's DNA on uh, the handle of the knife mm-hmm. that was at Raphael's apartment where they cooked together. Mm-hmm. And then a fragment, just minuscule amount of Meredith's DNA on the blade. Mm-hmm. An amount so small that the, the investigator or the the lab technician or whatever, the expert, said anytime there is a piece of DNA evidence that is that small, 
the possibility of contamination is incredibly high. So, uh, this actually would be a great time to tell you what Occam's razor is really about. Um, it's, it's just the problem solving thing that states that when you're presented with multiple competing hypotheses for something, uh, or explanations for an event, you should start by selecting the simplest and most likely one, the one that makes the fewest assumptions, because the more assumptions there are, the more likelihood of error there is. Now, this is... This does not allow for the exclusion of evidence. So, if the simplest explanation does not account for all the available data and evidence, then it is not the best explanation. Then there's a quote here that is attributed to Albert Einstein. Everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. Yeah, exactly. So, Raphael's kitchen knife was said to be the murder weapon, but the cut on Meredith's neck wasn't deep enough for that to be the case. Police jumped to the conclusion that shoe prints in the murder room were Raphael's, when later and closer analysis made clear that they were not. A witness emerged to claim that he saw Amanda, Raphael, and Gide, Gide. Gide, uh together on Halloween, but his credibility suffered a massive hit when he also said he saw Amanda and Raphael together in August, Two months before they met. So this witness was uh, the same witness who had been called on a case that the lead prosecutor, uh, Minini, uh, he, he was the one that I told you was also the devil right. when I was showing you the bits and pieces of the documentary. God, if he sounds like Vanini, then I believe you. <laughs> um, he had done, he had been the lead prosecutor on this other case. Um, the monster of Florence, I believe. No, yes, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. It was. It was Trash a. It was take. a serial killer case, I believe. Um, he had the same witness both times who said that he had witnessed, and both times his credibility was bad. And even in that other case, he had somebody arrested as a suspect who had been routinely calling him out for bad police work. Wow. He was later, I do believe, convicted. Wow, with... turns out police are all the fucking same. He was later, I believe, convicted of abuse of power. What? No fucking way. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, in interest of fairness and transparency in this... He has largely now accepted that Amanda and Raphael uh, were probably not the murderers and uh, has admitted that he made mistakes during the trial. And now he heads up a lot of he's still trying to find out who actually killed Meredith. And he has been lobbying to have a street in Perugia named after her. There's already a plaque. But he says that the least that the city can do for her after what happened is name a street after her. So, you know. Not enough of a heel turn for me or a face turn. And that's fair. Uh, Apparently, he's actually had a decent relationship with Amanda uh, since after. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's in a case like this, you kind of have to look to the the person that he victimized for. Uh, Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, I still... In my opinion, if he's going to claim that it was mistakes, then 
it was malicious incompetence. Yeah. And that to me is the same as malicious intent. Fair. So, um, another thing when Amanda was leaving the police station after being officially charged, granted, she didn't know that she was being officially charged. Uh, she was told, all right, we're going to take you out to a police car. That's going to take you to jail. And, uh, there's going to be reporters. They're telling her they're going to perp walker. They were like, we're going to get you clothes from your house that you can wear. They brought her a skirt. Jesus Christ. And she was like, it's cold. So, you know, this is assumption on my part, but I think it's pretty fucking transparent that what they were trying to do setting up an image yeah walk her out there in something that was quote-unquote sexy so the police were forced to revise their theory on the case of on the kit yeah boy Uh, she she did not actually walk out in the skirt she managed to convince them to let them let her wear Raphael sweatpants that she had already had on so so the police were forced to revise their theory of the case on November 10th when none of the fingerprint samples taken in the murder room matched any of the three persons charged with the murder. The prints did have Wow, wild. Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy, huh? So, go ahead. The prints did, however, match those of another man in the Perugia police files, Rudy Gita. Uh, so, Ow. Patrick ends up, you know, exonerated. He's fully, he, he's let go. And everyone's like, why did Amanda say that? So now they think that it was to throw suspicion off of herself. Because it, no, in, the, in it. the public's defense, I they, get it. they don't know. That the public is being fed information in a certain light yeah. from faulty information that mm-hmm. is almost certainly being fed, like, not maybe on purpose, but like as a byproduct of these assumptions that the police are making well and it's all being rushed out as fast as it can by reporters who vocally don't give a fuck to fact check they just want the most sensational headlines headlines. exactly that's basically in a lot more words so they'll what the devil himself nick pisa says in the documentary documentary is a great breakdown of the case by the way if you're interested in visually seeing a lot of this that we're talking about here Absolutely watch the documentary. It's about 90 minutes long on Netflix. It's just called Amanda Knox. It does some weird documentary shit that I don't like, like leaving a a shot on a person for long enough that they're just sitting there and it's very clearly like uncomfortable now. Yeah. They do that that I don't like, but a lot of the the stuff that they, and it's a really weird B-roll shots of like Amanda making meatballs in, in her house, which That's was probably really the most weird. important part. Is it? Yeah. That Amanda makes meatballs? Yeah. And cooks dinner? Yep. All by herself and pets her cat in her house? Yeah, that's great. Super vital information to this incredibly serious case. So Gita had taken a train out of Perugia, Perugia, God bless it, Perugia, the night of the murder. In a police-monitored Skype chat, authorities determined that Gita had had fled to Germany. He was arrested in Mainz. When his Nike shoes were found to have a print that more exactly matched the bloody print in Meredith's room than Raphael's, police dropped the murder charge against Patrick Lumumba and filed murder charges against Gita. Uh, just because I'm sure Ruben will like to know, uh, both Patrick Lumumba and Rudy are black. Oh, Lumumba I knew. Yeah, and I figured you had assumed, assumed Patrick Lumumba. 
But Rudy Gita Gita is yeah. also black. Uh, watching... I don't know if I like him though. Is he a good one or is he no. the, he's the faulty witness? <laughs> no. Yeah. So watching the release of Patrick, oh, he's he's not a faulty witness. He is convicted of this ah. with evidence. His DNA was all over Meredith's room, and there was no real reason for it to be. Uh, he hung out with some of the dudes that lived downstairs. He also was known for regular break-ins and burglaries. Right, right. He's not the faulty one. He's the guy that did it. Yes. Right. He was yeah. the one that was sitting on the shit toilet, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Why? That's why I said let's take it. Let's put a pin in that, and then I said let's take that pin back out because he fell asleep on the toilet that he had shit in one time, not flush. It 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 couldn't be more perfect. And then he, I guess, shit in the toilet again while he did the murder. This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features that Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com slash unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash unlimited. So, have, uh, watching the release of Patrick, Amanda later wrote, I felt an enormous emotional burden lift from my heart. Now, one might think that the arrest of Rudy Gita would cause... Bitch, I'm so sorry. I just literally searched Amanda Knox when you were talking about why did she do these things. Uh, and, like, the third suggested one, well, the f- one, two, three, fourth suggestion is, why did Amanda Knox accuse Lumumba? Uh-huh. And, like, wow. Um, but also... Was Amanda Knox DNA question <laughs> mark? <laughs> is is Bruno Mars does DNA? Is is Bruno Mars does DNA? So one might think that the arrest of Rudy Gita would cause authorities to reconsider their theory of the case. Wouldn't a murder carried out single handedly by Gita best match the known facts of the case? Wouldn't that apply to Occam's razor? Yeah, but no. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> authorities essentially decided to simply swap out Gita for Lumumba. The murder now. Oh was, wow! Oh wow! <laughs> the mm. murder now was a mm. result of a sex game gone wrong involving Knox, Solicito, and Gita. Although Rudy had previously said Amanda has nothing to do with it, she wasn't there. Gita now helped authorities by making a statement placing Amanda and Raphael at the murder scene. Right. So he sent. We were talking about that. Uh, that police monitored Skype chat. Right. That Rudy had with one of his best friends. Uh, the best friend was now an informant. And the police were monitoring this. So there's recording. You can hear it in the documentary of him talking about it. But once they hang up the call, he types in the chat afterwards. One more thing. Amanda has nothing to do with this. She wasn't there. (sighs) Gita claimed a fight over money between Amanda and Meredith sparked it off. So he was just lying. Yes. So... Big neon flashing, allegedly. My opinion, this is what I think happened. His lawyer seems like kind of a scumbag. No. Um, yeah, oh, I know. Big fucking Better shocker. Call Italian Saul, I guess. And <laughs> I Saul think that once they got into it, um, the lawyer told him what's going to work out best for you is to keep 
all of this media attention and blame on Amanda. So reinsert her. You lied before. Damn. It just keep the narrative that everybody wants and they'll take it. So the evidence of Gita's guilt was overwhelming. The Kersher murder was a culmination of a recent series of break-ins by Gita and his DNA was everywhere. His lawyers requested an abbreviated trial before only a judge with no live witnesses. What the fuck? Yeah, Amanda and Raphael didn't get that shit. Under this option provided by the Italian justice system, the maximum sentence is reduced by a third from the maximum available in a jury trial. <coughs> Gita was released from prison in November of 2021 after serving only 13 years. <coughs> yeah. He's free now. And he was found guilty of the actual Yes. Murder. Wow. Yeah, because of the way that they did his trial, it was reduced by a third of the maximum sentence. Because they knew he was going to get the maximum. They knew. So they played the court system in such a way to make sure that he got an original sentence of 16 years, which for good behavior in prison was then reduced to 13. He's a free man right now. So the full trial of Amanda Knox and Rafael Solicito opened in January of 2009 in Perugia's 15th century courthouse. This is a year and a half more, more than. Yeah. More than a year and a half past when the murder took place. In a courtroom called the Hall of Frescoes. Amanda's and Raphael's fate would be determined by two judges and six middle-aged jurors, all selected by computer and all wearing red, green, and white sashes, the color of Italy's flag. Wow. Yeah, their court is weird. It's weird. Is that a court thing? Or is that a prejudice thing? I don't actually know off the top of my head. I assume it's probably a court thing. Okay. But it also, it still does not bode well for the American girl. No. So the murder trial was combined with a civil trial slander brought against Amanda by Patrick Lumumba. Understandable. I mean. That's fair. I I get that. Especially when the information he has is, she accused you, bro. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If I was Lumumba, I would be like, yeah, um, we clean out your locker for you. Uh Uh, You don't have to come into work anymore. Yeah, so, so <laughs> I can't I can't blame Patrick for that, and no. that's going to work out fine later anyway. So worry. the two defendants, sitting with their respective lawyers, appeared a study in contrasts. Raphael looked anxious and constantly gnawed his fingernails. Amanda, for the most part, seemed her breezy self, dressed in t-shirts, jeans, and sneakers, and smiling at almost everyone in the courtroom. She is still naive to the situation at this point. She doesn't... She She's putting faith... In the court system. Right. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. So she walks in and she's like, I'm innocent. I have nothing to worry about. Right. As should be the case. But it's not. So when she walks in, she is playing exactly the character that they want her to play. Just because that's who she is as a person. She's walking in. She she doesn't look to them to be taking it seriously. It's been a year and a half Mm -hmm. or more. Yeah. And in prison, in prison, like, <sighs> and then you, you have reporters saying stuff like, uh, she, she looks a little skinnier than she did the last time. She could probably use hair and makeup, but I guess you don't get that in prison. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so with court sessions held only once or twice a week, the prosecution case alone lasted from January until June. Chief Prosecutor Giuliano Mignini, or Mignini. Fuck him. Yeah. Called 20 witnesses to testify as to events on or around the night of November 1st, 2007. It's like, I, mm, <laughs> mm, I don't fucking like him. I, and on the incredibly off chance that Amanda still listens to podcasts about her case, I, I'm, I'm sorry if you like had a decent relationship with this man later. Fuck him. He said some shit in the documentary that made me physically ill. And it does. I've seen this documentary like four or five times at this point. He said, people say that no, no man is a prophet in his own country, but that's not what I experienced after the prosecution. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, mm. So, yeah. So Chief Prosecutor McNinney, McNinney? Menini, probably. Menini. Menini called 20 witnesses to testify. Uh, I read that. An elderly woman testified that she heard a scream about 11 p.m. and then heard people running from the house. It made my skin crawl, she said. A homeless person claimed he saw Amanda and Raphael near his bench on Piazza Grimana, which overlooks the villa at about 9.30 p.m. on the night of the murder. So here's the thing about that lady, the old lady that he called. Yeah. Uh, she said that she wakes up Every single night at 11 p.m. to go pee. And that's when she heard uh, the scream. They don't know exactly when Meredith was murdered. They don't have an exact time of death. Do you know why? Because when they first arrived at the scene, it was hours before anybody took her temperature, which is what they used to establish time of death. They can also check the um, during the autopsy, Basically, they'll check um, where food is in your digestive system right. as a way of determining what time that food stopped making its way through your digestive system. Mm -hmm. But that's not nearly as exact as taking a temperature. Mm -hmm. So the owner of a grocery store testified that she saw Amanda buying cleaning products presumably used to clean the murder scene on the morning of November 2nd. From a grocery store? Yeah. Cleaning products? No way. <laughs> so in February, testimony turned to a focus on Amanda's relationship with Meredith. Meredith's British girlfriends testified that Meredith was annoyed by Amanda's openness about sex and her not using a toilet brush. Okay, so here's Amanda's openness about sex. Here's what she thought was weird. Before Amanda left, one of her friends, a woman, uh, I, again, I think I'm jumping ahead here, but it's more relevant now bought her a teeny tiny little pink bunny-shaped vibrator. Amanda thought it was hilarious. She just left it out in the open for everyone to see. <laughs> she thought it was funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's the openness about sex. But when everybody is just hearing Ooh, openness about sex. How vibrators? Yeah. And a 20-year-old girl was like, Haha, vibrator funny is bunny shape." So Robin... It's called a rabbit. Get it? <laughs> so Robin Butterworth testified that it, quote, seemed strange to Meredith that Amanda would openly display condoms and a vibrator in the bathroom. Oh, in, oh, in the bathroom. openly, but in the bathroom. Right. Re okay. Well, so, a shared bathroom, to be fair. You know. The later If I leave a flashlight on the counter, you're going to be weirded out. <laughs> Maybe just a tad. But... Uh, 
a, you know, a flashlight is not the same as a, a bunny shaped a, vibrator, which she got as a joke gift and condoms. Also. Yeah. So like, right. You can buy that at the grocery store counter. Uh huh. That's not bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on. So the later testimony prompted Amanda to make what Italian law calls quote, a spontaneous declaration. Amanda rose to say the vibrator was a joke, a gift from a friend before I arrived in Italy. It's a little pink bunny about this long. Amanda held up her thumb and forefingers to uh, demonstrate its length. It's little. Not all witnesses testified there was significant tension between the two roommates. It's not like she had a fucking collection of bad dragon toys suction cupped to the the mirror. (laughs) Philomena told the court that Amanda and Meredith got along just fine. Next, it was time for the prosecution's forensic witnesses. Officer Monica Napoleoni. This might be a great time to intro the forensic witness part with um, the Sagan standard. Right. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Don't they just? (laughs) So Officer Monica Napoleoni testified that she concluded the break-in was staged because, quote, there was glass on the windowsill, and if a stone came through the outside, the glass should have fallen below. Okay. She described Amanda's and Raphael's accounts as, quote, too strange to be probable. Officers denied any rough treatment during Amanda's many hours of questioning, stating that, uh, with Rita Ficara testifying that no one hit her. She said she thought Amanda's cartwheels and splits in the police station were, quote, out of place. The DNA evidence concerning knives and bra clasps, touted so heavily by the investigators, was fiercely and most observers agreed successfully challenged by defense attorneys. The, res- <laughs> the results of the DNA analysis seemed far from reliable, with contamination an equally likely explanation for the presence of DNA from Amanda or Raphael. Quote, unquote, equally likely. Uh-huh. So on June 12th and 13th, the defense opened its case with a star witness, Amanda Knox herself. Raphael Solicito did not testify with his lawyers concluding that it was his best interest in his best interest, to keep most of the focus on Knox. Again, perfect example of scapegoating. Yep. Every single time that somebody else who is being accused of this is brought to trial for it, they go, oh, let's just let Amanda talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Testimony from defendants, however, is often taken with a grain of salt, especially in Italy, where they are not sworn in and generally are believed to be lying. What the fuck? Very different, yes. That's so different. So, Amanda, are you sure you still want to move to Italy now? I mean, I would be treated like this either way, so. So Amanda, ouch. (laughs) Amanda seemed assured on the stand and avoided falling into traps set by prosecutors. She did her best to explain her seemingly odd behavior of showering in a blood-spattered bathroom and how she came to make her accusation against Patrick Lumumba. She testified that she was slapped twice during her lengthy interrogation, demonstrating the force of the blow by dropping her head down and opening her mouth wide in surprise. And she's, I believe most of this is uh, being translated during this court appearance. Mm. Uh, Her Italian is still not great. And uh, yeah. Amanda testified they were yelling at me. It's hard to make friends in an Italian prison. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Uh, Amanda testified they were yelling at me and I only wanted to leave and I was thinking about my mom who was arriving soon. After she finished her testimony, Amanda's lawyer, Carlo Vadova, told her, Amanda, you nailed it. 
After a two-month summer break, the trial resumed with the parade of Fuck! battle... All the way off. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the trial resumed with the parade of battling forensic experts. Uh, you you say that, Ruben, like you're upset. Like, like lives are at stake, and they're taking a summer break. Uh, the defense was confident enough that the prosecution's conclusions concerning the DNA evidence were unsupportable that it asked Judge Massey... Massey? Uh, I don't know. M-A-S-S-E-I? Massey? Massey? Probably Massey. Or Massey. Well, whatever. That judge to order an independent review of the evidence, but the judge denied the motion. Oh, the yeah, okay, the DNA evidence that, okay, the defense asked. Okay, sorry. Woo! In December, prosecutor Giuliano Magnini. Magnini. Like Panini. Gave the first closing argument. Magnini. Oh, my God. Manini continued to insist. fucks you up, I know. Mignini continued to insist the murder came about as a result of an unstoppable game of sex and violence. He painted a picture for jurors. It's easy to imagine Amanda angry at the British girl for her increasing criticism of Amanda's sexual easiness, reproaching Meredith for her reserve. Let's, let's try to imagine that she insulted her. Perhaps she said, "Imagine, imagine. Let's, let's imagine it. Yeah, we don't need evidence. Imagine it. That's that's like Ben Shapiro's whole thing. I know. Yeah, <laughs> let's say hypothetically. Yeah, for instance, if someone for the sake of argument that their name is Michael, or that their dog's name is Charlie, that's not an extraordinary claim. <laughs> it's reasonable to simply take them at their word. Uh, so yeah, let's try to imagine that she insulted her. Perhaps she said, "You were a little saint. Now we'll Perhaps. show you." Perhaps. Now you have no choice but to have sex, Manini continues. The British girl was still on her knees. Rudy was to the left. Raphael brought himself around behind her and tried to tear off her infamous bra clasp. He carried his imagined scene to its bloody conclusion, allowing, obviously, it's a hypothesis. After a closing argument by the co-prosecutor, then there came... There came what Knox described in, his, in her book, Waiting to be Heard, as the most surreal moment in my nightmarish trial. The prosecution played a 3D computer-generated animation featuring avatars representing Amanda, Raphael, Rudy, and Meredith, all dramatizing Manini's improbable hypothesis for the murder. When the show was over, co-prosecutor Manuela Camodi asked the jurors to give Amanda and Raphael life imprisonment. If someone claims that they or their guru slash religious slash spiritual teacher can contact the dead, see the future, read minds, etc., um, these are extraordinary claims, and they must be backed up by extraordinary evidence, such as a live demonstration, to prove it. Uh, it is not n- good enough for New Age slash religious slash spiritual teachers and their followers to simply assert that these things t- are true, or to make fucking 3D rendered uh, which one uh, uh, X Factor shit the fucking top 10 animals or whatever um, <laughs> animations of that shit but anyway <clears throat> or, uh, extraordinary claims must be backed up by extraordinary evidence which they, they do not have just must be so Patrick Lumumba's civil attorney Carlo Puccelli went next he told jurors that within Amanda, quote, resides a double soul, the angelic and the compassionate, gentle and naive one, and the satanic, diabolical Luciferina who was brought to engage in extreme borderline acts. What? Ah, uh, fuck me. <laughs> uh, 
one of the one of the exact quotes uh that one of them said i think it was mcnini um he said i i think that rudy and Raphael wanted to indulge amanda in every possible way that night ruben let me ask you a question how hot does a woman have to be for you to murder for her <laughs> there doesn't exist oh she would have to be helen of troy right literally uh, she would have like, to have a face that launched a thousand ships straight the fuck up like you would literally have to be a goddess it, there would be no you would have to have the ability to mind control so it's what you're just saying not is possible. it's not real it ain't real yeah and i'm just gonna be crass about it because it's such a fucking crass story and it was handled so crassly she would have to be even hotter than that for me to rape a woman in oh front yeah of her. fucking yeah a hundred percent that what, there like is what? no reality in which that occurs. There just uh, isn't. You could have mind control powers and be like, I want you to rape this woman in front of me. And I'd be like, I don't know, man. That don't seem right. No. That don't seem right to me in my mind control- controlled state. Maybe you want to rethink that? It's just not fucking real. So- Absolutely fuck off with that shit. <laughs> So when the defense's turn came, Raphael's lawyer... Also, I did see, because I did search Amanda Knox, I've seen pictures of her now, and she's just like normal looking. She's just a normal she's looking just like woman. She's normal looking woman. She's like cute. Sure, I guess. Raphael's gorgeous. Raphael's hot as shit. I'm not going to lie. Um, But yeah, she's just like a person. I mean, we're American, so she's just an American woman. Yeah. She looks like a white lady to me. Like, American woman. So when the defense's turn came, Raphael's lawyer, Julia Bongiorno, spoke no, first. No way. Yes. She said, Amanda looked at the world with the eyes of, a, a, what was the name? Emile? Amelie? Amelie. Good God. Uh, Amelie, I Amelie. think is how she was pronouncing it in the documentary, because she mentioned it a few times. Amanda just sees things her way. She reacts differently. She's not the classic Italian woman. She has a naive perspective. What? No way. She's fucking American. <laughs> She has a naive perspective of life, or did when the events occurred. But just because he acted differently from other people doesn't mean she killed someone. This trial is what changes her. Hugely. You think? We're going to see it in action later, but Mm. yeah. So Amanda's attorney, Carlo Vadova, told jurors, there is a responsible party for this, and it's not Amanda Knox. He concluded condemning two innocents will not restore justice to poor Meredith's memory, nor to her family. There's only one thing to do in this case, acquit. Now, Amanda was allowed to make a final plea. She said, I'm scared to lose myself. I'm scared to be defined as what I am not, what I am not, and by acts that don't belong to me. I'm afraid to have the mask of a murderer forced on my skin. The only thing left was to wait for a verdict. At 11 p.m. on December 4th, 2009, a guard came by Amanda's cell at Capane Prison. The verdict was ready to be delivered. It was time to go to the court for the final time. At four minutes after midnight, the court bell rang. How much longer do we have in the script? A while. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I'm pacing out my razors. How many more pages? Like, uh, two more pages. Oh, shit. I can pop some razors in then. Okay, sorry. 
ahead. So yeah, at four minutes after midnight, the court bell rang and the judges and jurors filed in. Minutes later, Judge Massey announced the verdict. Copevole. Copevole? I don't know. Whatever. Guilty in Italian. Both Knox and uh, Solicito were found guilty. Amanda moaned, repeating, no, no, no. Some spectators cheered while others booed. Knox was sentenced to 26 years in prison. Judge Massey's 407-page report explaining the decision was released months later. This might be a great time to just knock in real quick. Hitchens' razor. What can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. Yeah. So Knox and Solicito's Solicito's lawyers filed appeals. Unlike in the United States justice system, judges and juries decide appeals and can base their decisions not just on legal errors in the court below, but also on new evidence and additional testimony. Amanda's appeal was considered from December 11th, 2010 to June 29th, 2011. In her declaration to the court, Amanda said, I am innocent. Raphael is innocent. We did not kill Meredith. I beg you to truly consider that an enormous mistake has been made with regard to us. Now, the first decision for the court was whether to accept review at all. So uh, I'll briefly talk about uh, Amanda's time in prison. Uh, One of the so she was held in solitary for like ah, six months. God damn. And I mean, not like American solitary confinement, not in a black box, basically. But she was put in a cell by herself with very little reading material, very little of anything to do. Um, and the first roommate that she ever got uh, basically fucking bullied her. Uh, she knew who she was. She she was like, oh, your family has money. You should buy me stuff from like the commissary. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, and the most egregious thing to me about Amanda's time in prison was the warden had a thing for her. So she would be regularly called to the warden's office, and he would just, like, ask her wildly, overtly sexual questions. Jesus Christ. Yeah, because of what her image was in the media. It led to her being regularly sexually harassed in prison. And even at one point, he, like, tried to grab her, and she, like, shoved him away, and something came of that. But, God, I don't remember. I've spent so much time listening and reading stuff about this. But she told her her mom what was happening at one point, and her mom was like, you have to tell someone. And she's like, fucking who? That's the warden. He's the boss. Who do I tell? Uh, she also, uh, she became a model prisoner effectively, and she used a lot of her time in prison to become fluent in Italian. Mm -hmm. Eventually, um, she was, oh no, hold on, I'll tell you the bad thing before I tell you the good thing. Uh, a guard came through and told her that they had done a blood test on her and she was HIV positive. She wasn't, but they wanted her vulnerable. Right. They wanted her in a state of vulnerability because that's what got her to confess the first time. Um, now, eventually, uh, after her conviction, oh, also the the police tried to sue her for slander, <laughs> and she was also given the bill. 
for uh, the translation of her diary to Italian, which was leaked to the press. This might be a good time to mention the duck test. The duck test? Mm-hmm. It's if, so if it weighs more than a duck, then it's a witch. Yes. No, well, yeah. But you also know this one. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck and swims like a duck, it's probably a fucking duck. Uh-huh. And so fuck your defamation lawsuit. That's all I'm saying. Um, so eventually, uh, like I said, she became a model prisoner. The guards liked her after a while. And she begged them, please move me to uh, a, a two-person cell. Because she had been like in cells where she was sharing with like three other women. Right. And eventually they finally took enough pity on her to move her into a two-person cell, like she had asked, and also move her in with another American woman Mm -hmm. who was in prison. This American woman has a story just as tragic. She had come on vacation to Italy with her boyfriend. She didn't know that her boyfriend was uh, a cocaine smuggler who had hidden cocaine inside of all of her things. Wow. So when they got caught, she went down for it and served prison time. And uh, Amanda wrote uh, a long list of things, like things that she would do if she was convicted and things that she would do if she was freed. And one of the things on the list if she was freed was like, visit and write to my cellmate. They had become really close, and her cellmate had been there for longer than her, so she taught her like how to be safe in prison. Yes, exactly, stuff like that. <clears throat> um so yeah she had a lot of ups and downs mostly downs in prison but she took the time to become uh almost perfectly fluent in Italian and when she has her her uh appeal trial we'll see she delivers her own testimony mm-hmm. in Italian without a translator yeah she spent a long time writing it out and she said that it was more difficult than being interrogated to deliver that at the trial. It was beautifully written. It was great. So the first decision of the court was whether to accept review at all. For once, Amanda received a favorable decision. Judge Claudio Hellman announced, I'm convinced the case is complex enough to warrant a review in the name of reasonable doubt. Prosecution witnesses in the appeal came under new and heavier criticism and faced a more skeptical judge and jury. Hmm. independent experts offered their conclusions regarding the DNA evidence, and they concluded that contamination explained away most of what the prosecution saw as incriminating test results. Professor Carlo Vecciati told Judge Hellman that the DNA sample from Kircher's bra class was so poor and mixed that, quote, I could find your DNA too. Mario Alessi, a friend of Rudy Gita's, testified that Gita described to him in detail Kircher's murder, with Gita, what, which Gita said was carried out by himself and another friend. Alessi said Gita told his friend com- said Gita told his friend committed the actual murder using a pocket knife with an ivory-colored handle. Gita said he tried to staunch Kircher's wounds, but it was too late. The second murderer story is plausible. Investigators found unidentified DNA at the crime scene. Two, two male, uh, male sets of DNA, one belonging to Rudy, the other belonging to an unidentified male. A still yet unidentified male. Mm. Nobody so, will talk. Nobody will give his name. 
So revelations in the appeal process turned American public opinion strongly in favor of Amanda's acquittal. Donald Trump even weighed in on her behalf, urging that Americans boycott Italy if Knox was not freed. Yeah. So, uh, fun thing later, uh, uh, Amanda has gotten a couple of uh, controversies on Twitter for having a sense of humor about what she went through. And she made a tweet after... You know what? I'm sorry, you finish. She she made a tweet after Trump was elected and said something like, uh, I think I'd rather go back to Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck all y'all. If they're going to scapegoat her for that, she gets to be the if one to make fun of it. 15 years later, she's allowed to have the gallows humor about That's it. That's hers. Another they gave one. it to her explicitly uh-huh another one that uh i thought was fucking hilarious and she got so much flack for um some college student wrote this uh thing about how she hated studying abroad and uh what it was like they don't like foreigners here type of stuff and uh whatever uh, amanda saw it and responded in a tweet and she was like what do you mean? Studying abroad is great. <laughs> yeah, and she, she caught a fuck ton of flack for that. Like, every time she tries to be the slightest bit lighthearted yeah. about this awful thing that happened to her, uh, she gets accused of making light of Meredith's death. So 500 journalists from around the world were on hand for a the- A woman she knew for how long? Uh, a few weeks. Maybe, yeah. maybe a month and a half. Yeah. I don't see a problem with that, honestly. I'm not going to make light of anything. But yeah. also, Amanda's not making fun of the death. She's making fun of Italy. Yeah. And fuck Italy in this particular circumstance. Yep. So 500 journalists from around the world were on hand for the announcement of the verdict on, appe- on appeal on October 3rd, 2011. When Judge Hellman announced the verdict, acquitting both Amanda and Raphael of all charges except the slander charge involving Amanda's naming of Lumumba as the killer, which, again, fair. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Some spectators cheered, others booed. So, finally, the first trial was effectively the court of public opinion. Yeah. yeah. It, they were not actually fucking reviewing evidence. They were reviewing psychotic theories brought by the prosecution. Which is exactly what happened with West Memphis. Uh-huh. And then finally, luckily, she gets a second trial. Um, this one, based on evidence, and she's acquitted. Right. Her and Raphael both, obviously. Um, she actually go go ahead and read read on. So the slander, real quick. Popper's falsifiability principle is: for a theory to be considered scientific, it must be possible to dispute, to disprove, or refute it. So the slander sentence carried a prison term less than what Amanda had already served, so she was able to go home. Exactly. So she was found guilty of slandering Patrick Lumumba, which... Fucking fine. She's not really guilty of that. She's not guilty of that. The police forced that on her, but I also totally get Lumumba's standpoint on it. Um, But the prison sentence that that carried, she had already served. So the following day, Amanda flew home to Seattle with her family. 
Upon her arrival, she told a supportive crowd at the Seattle airport, I'm ready. I'm really overwhelmed right now. I was looking down from the airplane and it seemed like everything wasn't real. What's important for me to say is thank you to everyone who believed in me, who has defended me, who supported my family. So um, let's talk about Raphael's time in prison real quick. Uh, after he got out, he said something that was a huge shock to him was after his almost four years in prison, he finally got out and he got to go home and he went and he opened his refrigerator and looked into it like he said, like a primitive man, like it was something that was totally new to him that after being in prison for such a relatively short time, four years, uh, that he had forgotten luxury. Yep. Essentially. Uh, while he was in prison, <clears throat> they would effectively like take him for a, a prison play date with another inmate who was a like mafioso like head of a crime family type shit. And basically it was a deal that they had made with this crime boss where he was supposed to try and get Raphael to confess and then uh, go to trial as Jesus. a witness. But Raphael didn't. And so the, the mafioso like came clean and was like, look, this is why we've been having these conversations. This is why we've been having our, like, our little play dates. Even I know you're fucking innocent, all right? He respected the shit out of Raphael's complete... I like your fucking guts, kid. Yeah, his like... his guts to stand up and... And, and to be honest, you're, you're kind of easy on the ice. <laughs> Prison's been treating you well, eh? Thump on the chest. <laughs> like... Uh... Um, and... I, I think that Raphael probably did okay in prison. I haven't heard too much about his time in prison. I didn't get a chance to hear Dive, much yeah. about his book. Um, I'm sure it was not great because it I'm is I'm sure prison, it wasn't but... great, but if there's a fucking mafioso that likes you, kid. That's that's basically a fucking ticket, baby. Like, yeah. Did, did Amanda and Raphael stay together or did they break no. up? No, they... No, they um, it wasn't long after they had been like separated and yeah. everything that uh, he said he was in solitary and he thought about her a lot right. and he wanted to send her flowers for her birthday that he knew was coming up. But she, she had like written a letter that basically was like, I just don't feel the same anymore after all yeah. of this. Sucks. And he said, I mean, yeah, that was very bitter, but you know, um, now, um, I mean, that is one of the main causes of an ending relationship is, is like prison for murder you didn't commit. Yeah, that'll no, ruin it every a time. A huge life stressor that makes you rethink your fucking life. Uh -huh. Like yeah. somebody else getting married and you being part of the wedding, very closely involved, or like yeah. um, fucking getting pregnant, or like buying a house like you know what i'm saying like all these things can make you be like "Ooh, life life can be different than i thought maybe a little bit i don't know how i feel about some of the same things yeah. anymore so they are still friends <clears throat> oh, okay. uh, that's good to this day yeah they have stayed in contact um there's a really touching thing in the documentary where after they finally read the spoiler alert the second acquittal <laughs> that they're going to get um she calls him on the phone and is speaking to him in Italian, and it's just very, very sweet. How many more of those razors do you have? We're on the last page. Um, 
I can mainline the other ones. They're less, they're less like uh, involved or like associated. Um, Hume's razor is causes must be sufficiently able to produce the effects assigned to them. And Grice's razor is address what the speaker the speaker actually meant instead of addressing the literal meaning of what is actually said. Wow. Yep. Don't that just fucking Don't, fit like a glove? Ain't that just about a bitch? <laughs> and Hanlon's razor is never attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by incompetence or stupidity. Yep. So Amanda was safe in Seattle, but legal battles continued in Italy for another four years. In 2013, Italy's highest court, the Supreme Court of Cassation, I haven't heard of that. Whatever. Set aside the Cassation, whatever. Set aside the acquittals on appeal and ordered a new trial. Knox was represented, but remained in the United States. Once again, Knox and Salicito were found guilty. The final appeal was heard by the Supreme Court of Cassation in 2015. This time, the court definitively acquitted Amanda and Raphael of the murder. In its decision, the court cited glaring errors, sensational failures, investigative amnesia, and guilty omissions. In the years following her acquittal, Amanda married author Christopher Robinson. Amanda worked as a journalist, appeared at events sponsored by the Innocence Project, and dedicated herself to creating awareness of the problem of wrongful convictions. She presently hosts a podcast, The Truth About True Crime. So she now also has a podcast with her husband, Christopher Robinson, um, called... Owner of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Close. Yeah, Yeah. I thought about it, too. Yeah, it's Christopher Robbins. I get it. Um, I did listen to some of uh, Labyrinths, her and her husband's podcast together. They talk about a lot of wrongfully convicted people. Um, It's really good. They both speak really intelligently about it. Um, I didn't get to listen to much, but... It was it was great. I really enjoyed what I heard. Um, give it a listen. Hell yeah! And that's the it. That's it. That's the it. That's the it. That is the yes. it. That's you it. have to find a token to kill it. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's the end of the story. Um, so Josh finally got it out of his system. Yeah, and can't you just see why I kept bringing this up? Yeah, as we as we went through West Memphis. <sighs> Boy, oh boy. So I, just, I have to wonder if her and Damien Eccles have ever had a conversation. So as you are aware, we are in Halloween season. We're in October Spooky. now. <laughs> when this episode airs, we'll be two weeks away from Halloween. On brand. Yeah. Um. So we're going to try to get a little spooky or nothing else, a little scary um this year because we've been kind of lighthearted with the last two halloweens yeah we have um yeah, we'll follow it up baby it's okay uh-huh. don't yeah. even worry about it but uh so again we're on tiktok now go to tiktok look us up two towns over and uh follow us there also with Podbean, which is our supporter or our distributor. platform distributor uh if you could go there follow us there add to our account to try to get us into their algorithms uh, we need again, the numbers. Yeah, we need numbers now. That's that's where we're at. We're kind we of need the numbers to align properly yes. so that we can make money. And um, so that's about it. Uh, as always, we thank you guys for all your support, all you, you people that 
are on our Discord. If you aren't on Discord, come join us. Um, we try to get conversations going. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. That's a, a whole long conversation took place about squishmallows. Yes, the other Bro, day. You know what? Join join our Discord and talk to <laughs> talk to people about squishmallows. I bought a Gengar. It's my first squishmallow. Somebody on Discord start a conversation about like how would you implement an Amanda Knox Souls like game. I need to know. No. No, 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 no. I need that student project to show up on Iron Pineapple. I need it. Fucking A. So other than that, we're going to wrap it up because... You'd fight Manini a lot. Oh, my God. We've been recording for a while. Thank you, guys. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Be good to yourselves. Fuck don't talk to the police. Don't f- talk to the cops, man. Just don't. Uh, Just ask for a lawyer. Fuck both Gary and Silly Bitchels. Fuck Silly me. Bitchell is losing his case so fucking hard right now. <laughs> I'm enjoying the ride. And shout out to the plant babies and their mamas. Thanks for listening and coming over and whatnot. Bye, I guess. Bye. Bye.